Well, today in our study of Proverbs, we're getting into the actual gems, the smaller passages that have to do with a particular thought, um, a particular piece of wisdom. And today I'm excited about the one that we get to talk about. The topic we'll say is sloth and diligence, but um, hang on, this is going to be worth a lot and it's going to go in a direction that I think um, the Holy Spirit is directing for today. I'd like you to do something over the next several weeks as we're in the book of Proverbs. We're going to be going into what I would call Proverbs proper, uh, chapters 10 through 31. And um, Proverbs is basically made up of short statements, um, two-line statements that often have a contrast between good and evil or... um, you know, some, some uh, characteristic that's good and some characteristics that, that's bad. Or, um, but I'd, what I'd like you to do is to begin to read the book of Proverbs and make a, a plan for yourself. Uh, we'll probably be in um, this section of Proverbs maybe another uh, nine weeks or so. And if you could just, over the next nine weeks, make sure you've read it all. Uh, that could be... Um, you know, a chapter a week or a, couple, a chapter a day. Um, one of the benefits, I think, of Proverbs is to maybe after you've read a larger section of it, go back and pick out a, a smaller section and just focus on the truth of that one section and spend some time on that. You won't, you won't get to meditate on all of it in depth, but if you can take a, a few nuggets that really meant something to you and meditate on them, that would be great. So read some larger sections and then out of those sections, pick out a nugget or two and meditate on those and do that every week. And that will really enhance our study as we talk together uh, through the book of Proverbs. Um, So let's begin. You'll remember that wisdom calls out in the marketplace. In fact, let's read uh, Proverbs 1, 20 through 21. Out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. And so um, we find wisdom not just in the scripture, not just in a church service, not just in prayer, but we find wisdom as we're out as we're walking, as we're engaged with other people, as we're in the marketplace, wisdom calls out. Well, the writer of Proverbs uh, was out and about, and he observed something, and here is what he saw. Let's read chapter 24, verses 30 through 34. He says, I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of someone who has no sense. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds, and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed, and I learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. Now, let's stay there for just a a bit. We're going to probably refer back to some of the earlier verses as we go along. Let's talk about what did our 
author, our writer, observe as he was out in the marketplace. So he went by a field, first of all. This would be back in, I think, the very first verse that we looked at, verse 30. He looked at a field, and uh, he noticed that in the field there was a vineyard. And in the vineyard, there was uh, thorns. <laughs> and the ground was covered with weeds. And the stone wall was in ruins. I'm just thinking of a comparison here. If you live in southwest Missouri, you've no doubt traveled uh, northeast of here and gone up through St. James, Missouri. And if you have, you probably remember the vineyards on either side of I-44. And they're immaculate. The rows are all straight. And there's not a weed to be seen in those vineyards. And everything is, is taken care of. And it just screams of care and, and um, you know, everything being done well. And so that would be a contrast to this field that our writer went by. And so he observed the, uh, the weeds and he saw the, that everything was covered and the stone wall was in ruins. And at that period of time in the ancient world, the, the stone wall would be typical of, uh, of uh, the ways to uh, wall in a field rather than a fence of wire or wood. Uh, a stone wall would be more typical because stones were readily available in the fields. They were things that they were trying to get out of the field and onto the edges, and they used those stones as uh, building blocks for, for uh, the fences. Okay, so that's, that's what he noticed. The, the second thing that he noticed was, um, let's go into verse 32. I think it will uh, share what we need here. I went past the field of a sluggard. Past the vineyard of someone who has no sense. Okay. I think that he might have um, come to the conclusion that the owner was a sluggard and had no sense. But it could have been that this was the reputation of the person whose field he went by. And no doubt in that time and part of the world, he would have known the, the people that owned the fields known something about them. In this case, the person was known to have been a sluggard, uh, known to have been someone who had no sense. What do we mean by sluggard? Basically, someone who's lazy, someone who's slothful, someone who's not diligent. Uh, that would be a sluggard. So, he applies all of this. He thinks about what he's seen. I know that so-and-so has the reputation of being lazy and not having much sense. And as I walk by his field today, I see that the vineyard is overgrown with thorns and with weeds, and the wall of protection around the vineyard is broken down. What does that all mean? And so he says that he applied his heart to what he saw, and he learned a lesson in, in uh, the things that he had seen that day. And the lesson was this. Let's go back to 33. A little sleep, 
a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. We've all known people that we felt didn't put forth enough effort and paid the price for it. We've probably gone by people's homes who were, the homes looked like this uh, vineyard, just not cared for at all. And we've said to ourselves, well, couldn't they have, have at least mown the lawn or, or um, kept the place clean and picked up? You know, maybe they didn't have money, but couldn't they have at least kept it neat? And uh, we ask ourselves those questions. And there are cases where um, people are unable to do that, and perhaps we shouldn't be judging. But uh, in this case, the writer is, is sharing something that's valuable for us, and so we need to listen. And he's saying, if we have a mindset of, well, I'll just sleep a little bit longer. I'll just... I'll just sleep longer today. Um, I know I was supposed to go out and do that, but I'll, I'll wait for another day. Um, and then tomorrow, the person is doing the same thing. Or, I know I should get out to do that, but it just feels good to be inside today, and I'm just gonna, I'm gonna rest today. I'm gonna fold my hands and rest and I'll take care of that at another time. And pretty soon, before he knows it, his field is so overgrown that there's no hope of any vines growing up and producing any fruit. And it's like is stated in verse 34. Then there's no crop, there's no harvest, and then there's no money. And the writer says, poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. We know the value of hard work and the importance of staying with it and of putting in the time required and even extra time to have excellence and to have uh, what, we, what we do with our hands turn out well. Recently, I had the opportunity of meeting two sisters who... Uh, after the Vietnam War, when the United States left Vietnam, they were uh, people in the south of Vietnam who had uh, worked for the United States government during the war. They knew that their lives would be threatened if they stayed in Vietnam. And so they were, part of them, were able to get out. Uh, this was a very traumatic thing for the family. Uh, the mother and, I believe, two sons had to stay in South Vietnam as it was taken over by the Viet Cong. It makes you think of what's happening today in Afghanistan. And uh, the father and four children were able to get away and get to the United States. The oldest of the four children was, in, um, was a teenager, and she was one of the two sisters that I met. And... So they had this um, understanding that the father would stay home and take care of the children, which were younger, and that the sister would go out and work and make a living for the family. And so here's this teenage girl working um, lots 
working two and three jobs to provide money for the family, for four children and a father. She, she didn't flinch at that. That was something uh, she expected to do. That was her responsibility as being the oldest child, and she did it. And today, she's a successful businesswoman. She owns her own business and is doing well. Her younger sister was uh, uh, quite a few years younger than she, and so she was the beneficiary of this older sister's work. And uh, she learned the same values as the older sister. She worked hard in school, and she applied herself diligently in school. And she decided that um, after high school, she was going to become an engineer. And she applied to engineering schools. She's a woman, and she's an Asian woman, and she's living in the South. She was laughed at by some of the schools, um, but she, she, she pressed in. She didn't take no for an answer. She got good scores on her entrance tests. And she, she walked into offices, and she confronted um, administrators, and almost demanded a place in their schools, and she finally got one. She got a good place, a good scholarship in a good school, and she became an electrical engineer. Today, she has a company of her own. She's a consultant, and she has a very specific uh, area that she consults in, and she is sought after by, by people that need um, her kind of advice. It's an example of what diligence can do um, in terms of providing not only for yourself, but for an entire family, in the case of the older daughter. It's a great and inspiring story and one that I will remember um, probably forever. There are some scriptures that I think that we should look at, and then I want us to take a little different um, approach to this passage. First of all, look at Proverbs 10.4. Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. I, I just want to stop and encourage all of us. Some of us have become discouraged by uh, situations where it's appeared that what really matters is who you know and who you can um, bribe or brown nose or suck up to, uh, to use vernacular. And so we've, we've uh, not tried as hard as perhaps we should have. I just feel strongly that this scripture is still true in all situations, that lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. Oh, we may lose a job, we may not get a promotion with a certain company, but if we have a lifetime of diligence and a lifetime of rejecting laziness, we will, we will experience success because that's the kind of thing that God, God honors. He honors diligent hands. And basically, people recognize diligent people and they will honor them as well. Okay, let's go on to 
Proverbs 20, verse 13. Do not love sleep or you will grow poor. Stay awake and you will have food to spare. This is a lot like the passage that we are studying today. It's just a reinforcement of that same principle. Don't get too comfortable with rest or you're never going to, um, you're never going to make what you need to live on. And then uh, one more thing, and that's in 22 verse 13. The sluggard says, there's a lion outside. I'll be killed in the public square. And so this is a person who has allowed fear to prevent him from trying some of the things that he should have tried. And you might say, well, should we call that person a sluggard? Isn't fear a a valid reason not to do something? I would say that fear is never something that's honored in Scripture, unless it's fear of the Lord. And so I want to encourage myself and you, never give in to fear. Never give in to fear. Never use it as an excuse not to do the thing that God wants you to do. Let's remember that today. Well, there's another sense in which uh, some of us have fallen prey to a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. And that's in the area of our relationships. Perhaps you were able to watch our class last week. We talked about the call of folly, but also the call of God, the call of wisdom, saying, stay with the wife of your youth. And then it described her as a graceful doe and... um, a gentle person, and I forget all the, the, the adjectives that described her, but uh, how do you have that kind of a relationship to where you can think of your wife as a graceful doe all the days of her life? And uh, a wife can think of her husband as a, a strong and a man of character, a man to be respected. That's something that has to be developed. And Unfortunately, too many of us in the area of our relationships have said, I've got this wife, I've got this husband, I'm going to just rest a little bit tonight rather than be engaged with my wife or my husband. I'm going to just lie in this easy chair tonight. I know she wanted to play a game tonight or go out and but I, you know, I had to work early this morning. I'm just going to watch a game, maybe sleep a little bit. And, um, and we fold our hands, and we let a relationship that once was vibrant um, begin to no longer be vibrant. It gets to become um, dull. And the dullness is not them, but it's you. We've allowed it to get dull because we've not seen the importance of of being diligent about our relationships. It's like our work. If we sleep too much, if we slumber too much, if we fold our hands, 
If we say there's a lion outside, I'm not going to try that. Our relationships are going to go sour. We're going to go through a lifetime of raising kids and getting to to, uh, empty nest and realizing that we have nothing in common anymore with the person we married that many years ago. Don't let that happen at whatever stage you're at. If you're a newlywed or if you've been married 50 years, it's something that you need to continue to work at. And look at it as a, think of yourself as a, a, a farmer who has a vineyard, since we're talking about vineyards in this, parab- in this uh, proverb. Think of your wife, your husband, as a vineyard to be cultivated and developed. Oh, not, not um, taken advantage of, not, not um, manipulated, but cultivated in a good sense of developing ways of communicating, of developing common interests, things that you learn to do together that bring joy to both of you. And you, you focus on those things and you develop this relationship so that as people walk by your relationship, they speak of it like they do about the vineyards and St. James. The rows are straight. There's not a weed to be found. That doesn't happen by accident. That happens by intent and by hard work. And so we can do that in our relationship with our spouses. It also applies to relationships with children. You might say, well, in, in, in our family, my wife takes care of the girls and I take care of the boys. And I'm not too much concerned about the girls. She's taking care of them. How about developing a relationship with your daughters? Mother, how about developing a relationship with your sons? What about our relationship with God? We can do the very same thing. How how many people do you know, and and maybe even looking back in your own life, how, how was it when you first came to Christ? I dare say that many of us, we couldn't get enough of God's word. We were reading it every chance we could get. We would go to every meeting that was open in church. We loved the worship. We loved every time anyone talked about God. He didn't have to be a good speaker. We just loved hearing about God and about his love for us. And then we got more sophisticated. And we started having other interests. And we knew that our eternal life was taken care of, and so we focused on other things, and we had other priorities, and, and uh, things developed, and one thing led to another, and here we are today, and we go, we go to church most of the time, and we can tell people when we were saved and baptized, and that's about it, and there's no life, because we haven't cultivated the relationship. And it grieves the Lord. He wants a vital relationship with him. We need to go back and do the things that we did at first. We need to renew that first love and work at it. Just like we would work at a job. Just like we would work at a vineyard. um, If we happen to be vine keepers. 
Paul had something to say to all of us in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14. I'd like for you to read that. He says, wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. That's for you, and that's for me. It's something that I need to take into account in terms of my work. If I become slothful in my work or in the way that I keep my home, any of those things, wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. If I've allowed uh, my relationship with my wife or my children or with friends or with God to wane and become dull, wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Give attention to those relationships. Work at them like you would work at a vineyard if you were a vine keeper. Do good work. Weed out the weeds, weed out the thorns, keep the, keep the walls erect and in place. Repair them when they need repair. Hallelujah. God wants us to be successful in every area of our life. He wants us to be diligent because that's what he is. He's been diligent with us. He was diligent about saving us. He was diligent about sending his only son. He didn't sleep through his time here on earth. He kept track of the timetable. He went to Jerusalem when it was time. He went to the cross when it was time. Because of Christ, let's do the same in our lives. Let's do it in our work. Let's do it in our relationships. Let's do it with him. Hallelujah. Join me in prayer if you would. Oh God, ooh, we commit ourselves to you today not to be slothful, not to sleep a little, slumber a little, fold our hands and let destruction come to our lives. God, may we be diligent, just like you were. You didn't slumber when it came to our salvation. You were right on time. You did what it took. You did the hard work and because you did, we can enjoy salvation today. We can enjoy a relationship with you. May we take your example and live our lives accordingly. We pray in Jesus' name.